Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. We are coming to you live this morning, which is somewhat unusual, but uh, due to the impacts we're expecting from Hurricane Irma, we wanted to give everyone out there the opportunity to ask some questions. Our guest is Lee Chesno, who is a marine weather expert. And before I uh, officially introduce Lee and um, we start the actual conversation about the storm, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. And as always, we encourage all of our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. I would like to uh, now introduce you to Lee Chesno, who is with us today. Lee is of Lee Chesno's Marine Weather. Um, And just to give you a little bit of his background, because if we were to go through all of his uh, qualifications and accomplishments in this area, that would probably take the entire podcast. Um, But Lee is a senior marine meteorologist lecturer and a graduate from one of the elite universities that offer degrees in meteorology, the University of Wisconsin in Madison. His Bachelor of Science degree in meteorology um, helped him go forward to an extensive career with NOAA's National Weather Service, with NOAA Satellite Service, and as a U.S. Navy ship routing officer, route analyst for commercial weather and ship routing, um, and he was also a naval officer serving on two aircraft carriers. So certainly extremely qualified in this area, and Lee, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Great Loop Radio. We appreciate you being here. Very good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and actually, I wish, um, and we will have you back under better circumstances, because the news today is really not good, Um, but it's great to have you here under these uh, not-so-great circumstances as well, because we really need to get the message out to people who may be in harm's way about Hurricane Irma. Um, Certainly a storm to be very concerned about. So before we jump into the specific details about Irma, let's talk a little bit about hurricanes and their life cycle. Um, You know, start by explaining to us how they form and how they continue to develop over time. Sure. Well, uh, these are, as you just mentioned, waterborne systems that require very unique circumstances that uh, is not routine. That's why there's relatively few tropical cyclones, which uh, uh, hurricanes under that uh, category, if you would. Uh, there's relatively few compared to the more dominant weather systems, the mid-latitude low-pressure systems, which uh, are common in the middle latitudes between 30 and 60 degrees of latitude. And these systems, like tropicals, they're all low-pressure systems, but mid-latitude systems are uniquely, well, not uniquely different, they're more dominantly different because they have frontal structure, which means they they evolve with... uh, multiple air masses for a tropical system like a hurricane requires a homogeneous atmosphere warm moist conditions in which the warm waters of the tropical and subtropical latitudes uh, provide but it also takes other conditions to be in place to allow these systems to form and maintain themselves such as in addition to warm water to a mixed layer depth of about 200 feet 
It requires light winds aloft. These white light winds aloft allow for a, an outflow, if you would, as a storm circulates northern hemisphere counterclockwise and inward. The air goes up. It has to be dispersed, and it requires a wide area for disbursement because the low-level circulation is about one-fourth the size of the upper-level circulation, which reverses direction in a clockwise manner. And there can be no dry air involved. There can be no cold temperatures involved. So the calm, and you hear the words wind shear a lot, and that means stronger winds aloft inhibit the not only development, but a storm that's in, in entering an area of so-called wind shear will be torn apart, so to speak. So you have to have a perfectly vertical system. In the case of Irma, it's very, very symmetrical, very textbook-like. Uh, Irma, I won't say is extremely rare, but it's not common because all the ingredients that are needed, warm water temperatures, light winds aloft, no dry air, no interaction with land. Land is not, not, only a, not only a source for moisture, but it is a source of friction, and friction will disrupt the motion, the wind motion of a tropical cyclone. So all of this is in play that has made Irma what Irma is and the impact going into the South Florida area is not going to change, which makes it the kind of hype that it's getting, which is not really overhyped in this case. So, so we, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, you know, obviously Irma's a very intense, strong storm. Um, talk about what, and I know it's the same, some of the same systems that cause it to develop, but talk about why um, Irma is so strong and is remaining so strong as she approaches Florida. Because the environment as it developed off of Africa has been favorable all the way through to allow the storm to not only uh, maintain itself, but gather strength, especially moving over warmer water. And this has been a long summer. We're at the peak of hurricane season, so Irma arrived right at the climatological time frame where it's most likely to find a tropical cyclone in the tropical waters of the Atlantic. So the uniqueness about Irma is it has no debilitating outside environmental influences to inhibit Irma to develop and maintain itself. So you'll hear terms like, wow, this storm has maintained itself for an unusually long period of time, well, the conditions for Irma to even exist have been maintained almost since it developed, and it's going to continue until finally it makes landfall. So uh, it's unique in this regard because most storms will always seem to run into some kind of hostile environment at some point in their life cycle. In the case of Irma, it's been continuous without disruption. The upper-level wind patterns are favorable, the surface conditions are favorable. There isn't anything that has uh, debilitated this storm, and that's why it has maintained itself. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, because we always hear of the storm surge, and, of course, that's particularly concerning to boaters and anyone close to the coast. Um, you know, in general terms with hurricanes, what causes the storm surge, and how is Irma going to, uh, what's her storm surge going to likely be? Okay, well, you have, tidal conditions, which are common throughout the entire planet, and that is the standard rise and lowering of the water levels uh, 
astronomical um, means, which means you have high tides and low tides. When you have a storm surge, now we're talking about something different than the standard atmosphere, which is average is 10, 13.2 millibars. That's a unit of measurement how we weigh the atmosphere. When you lower that standard, such as Irma, which is in 920 millibars, which is quite a bit lower than 10, 13.2 millibars, what you're doing is reducing the weight being exerted by the atmosphere on the surface. And this, is, this causes the normal tide levels to increase because there's less weight being exerted on the water. So the latest advisory that I saw uh, surprised the heck out of me in terms of relatively low storm surge heights from 3 to 10 feet they're calling for its impact on South Florida. And this puzzles me because numbers like 15 to 20 feet were used uh, just a matter of a, a few days ago. So it may have something to do with the way the the structure of the water levels and the um, the un under under the sea ground levels uh, impact, but I would have expected a much higher storm surge. And it, it's simply this: when the atmospheric pressure decreases, water levels rise above their normal astronomical tide levels. In the case of Irma, if you're talking about 920 millibars, that's a pretty serious low pressure. And then on top of that, you have wind that will allow the water to start piling up in addition to the increase in water levels due to low atmospheric pressure. So the key ingredient here is low atmospheric pressure is the main ingredient for storm surge. Throw wind on top of that, and then you have the exacerbated conditions. In other words, if you're at sea level and the storm surge prediction, for example, is 10 feet above sea level, well, there you have it. Uh, you have a wall of water. 10 feet higher than, um, than sea level. That's pretty serious height to begin with, and my call for 15 to 20 feet, which is rather astronomically high, but it is, in, in my view, a real possibility here. But that's not what the pundits are calling for right now for South Florida. I need, I need a, little, a little bit more homework as to why they have it so low. And uh, let's remind everyone, Lee is actually on the West Coast this morning, so it's a little bit earlier for him than it is for he, us here on the East Coast. So we appreciate you getting up and being with us and um, checking on those forecasts for us. I want to remind our listeners uh, that if you are listening online, you can actually call in and ask Lee your questions. That call-in number is 818-475-9328. And we have our member services coordinator, Julie, is uh, screening those calls for us this morning in case we get a lot of them. Um, so thanks to Julie for that. Um, Lee, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, things like the friction of land can have an impact mm -hmm. on the hurricane. You know, tell us what else causes them to weaken. We do know that, of course, um, Irma kind of skirted over some of the islands and we're, we're devastating there, but that doesn't seem to have been enough to slow it down. No, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's, it's, uh, the, the land mass is just not large enough to be disruptive, plus the, the forward motion was pretty quick, so um, it was in and out and no disruption at all. Mountainous Cuba still has a chance to slow Irma's strength, but that's going to be compensated by the fact that once Irma makes the more turn to the northwest, it's going to be over open water. This is key. Open water, warm seawater temperatures to a mixed layer depth of 200 feet is what fuels a hurricane. When a hurricane is moves over land, it 
is as its moisture source. Land is not a source for moisture in addition to the friction. So the combination of no warm, moist air from the ocean surface because it's over land, in addition to the slowing effect that friction has, will cause Irma to very rapidly lose its strength as it crosses South Florida and moves up the Florida Peninsula. You're going to see a, a weakening take place all the way through its journey to North Florida. It still has water areas to receive some moisture, but it's not going to be enough to to keep feeding the hurricane to maintain its wind strength. So it's key here. Land mm-hmm. is not a source for moisture, and land increases the friction component of winds trying to circulate in an organized fashion around a center of low pressure. Mm-hmm. So uh, there have been several pictures that have been kind of uh, floating around on social media a lot over the past few days of some um, what were considered kind of safe harbors or hurricane holes, um, specifically in the BBIs, I think is some of the worst of the pictures I've seen that, um, you know, the before picture has lots of beautiful yachts lined up neatly and the after picture unfortunately just has them more or less in a pile um any advice you can give to boaters about the thoughts that there are such things as hurricane holes or safe harbors in a storm like this well i've heard of people using the mangrove swamps in the keys to seek uh, a safe haven uh, in the case of irma it it's just not uh, it's not there. It's just mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a safe haven. And um, you can go up the Miami River. I know um, some boaters who have uh, done that, and they're going to just hope for the best. And when you factor in storm surge and wind, there's really not much protection given the strength of Irma, its dimensions, and, and the storm surge and the wind component as well. And um, I just can't envision. Uh, a, a safe haven for boats and you just hope for the best that somehow or other your boat is able to survive. The bottom line is don't even think about that you can be on your boat in a so-called safe haven area. And all you can do is look at the pictures coming out of the BVI and that tells the full story. Yeah. And I heard you speak on this topic a few days ago, Lee, um, as I as I don't know that I've mentioned it yet, but um, Seven Seas, you and Lee are putting together a series of webinars on Irma. The first was two nights ago, um, and it kind of gave an overview of hurricanes and then some details about Irma. That recording is available on Seven Seas, you right now, um, and a recording of last night's brief. Lee will be doing those briefs every night at eight, probably through Monday, I believe, is what we're thinking now. But, Lee, during that, the other night, you were talking about um, some examples of boats who thought perhaps uh, tucking behind an island was a good idea in a a hurricane, possibly not as strong as Irma. Um, But that is kind of a misnomer that that's a possibility as protection. Is that correct? That's correct. And the reason why is a refraction of the wave energy generated by the winds will completely engulf the so-called leeward side of the island you might have some relief from the wind, but the wave action is going to come from you from both sides. So that's not a, an option. In a case, an example is a tall ship Phantom, the sailing vessel Phantom, years ago in Hurricane Mitch. Tried that uh, maneuver and it didn't work. And they were forced to move out of, over open water and uh, came within 10 miles of the center of Mitch. And, and they were all lost. There were no survivors. and Maybe a few life uh, vests were found in some debris, but all all the crew members were lost on that tragic uh, event in 
And that's because of this so-called impression that, that islands can uh, provide a, a safe haven or at least the leeward side. It's just not true. A big, larger island such as Puerto Rico or Jamaica might uh, be an exception to that, but most of the islands um, are too small to be able to give a, a any kind of a, a, a decent chance of protection. All right, we're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, Lee, I'd like to talk a little bit more specific to Irma and her current projected path. Um, you know, I know a, a blog post you put out this morning gives some pretty dire information and warnings there. So let's focus on that and make sure we can um, work towards convincing anybody who might still be in southern Florida to be working on their exit plan at this point. We'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile -mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob Guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral Sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Lee Chesno. Uh, Lee is a marine weather expert who is a very popular speaker at uh, marine events. Um, and we have him, we're lucky to have him with us today to share some information on Hurricane Irma. Um, so Lee, as of this morning, the path had shifted a little bit to the west. Um, which for those of us uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, where I am, was good news, but a really devastating news for Florida. So tell us about your impressions of that current projected path of the storm. Okay, very good. Uh, very, very impressive, what we call the subtropical ridge, the uh, upper levels that is providing the steering for Irma. It's still continuing, uh, and we'll do so for the next uh, 24 hours, but I think uh, – Shortly thereafter, the the impact of the ridge is going to weaken, and then there is an upper level trough that's hovering over the Midwest and uh, uh, Northeast and U.S. It's expected to lift out. So I expect the following: Irma will begin to make a turn to the right a little bit, or move in a more northwesterly and north northwesterly direction which would take it directly into South Florida and there is a good possibility that the Irma will slow its forward motion. It's been moving at a pretty steady clip which surprises a lot of us who track hurricanes because of the the variability of steering currents even a stable one. Andrew was a perfect example. Five or six days out they had that peg to move into South Florida because of the Steering currents were very, very stable and predictable. And up to this point, it has been for Irma, except now we're entering an area where the steering currents are going to be weakened. The combination of a weakening ridge to the north and east of Irma and the lifting trough to the north and west of Irma, that's going to leave it into a, a much weaker steering pattern. So the inertia from Irma itself will help generate its course. This is what happened with Mitch a number of years ago. The prediction was for outside steering influences to move Mitch out of the Caribbean Sea. It never happened because Mitch was so powerful 
it, it overcame the outside steering influences, and the rest is history. It did exactly the opposite of what was predicted. I think the skill level in forecasting has improved along with the modeling. So the combination of weakening ridge, uh, a lifting cough, and Irma's own inertial uh, strength uh, at mid and upper levels will cause the storm to deviate uh, from its present track and turn more to the northwest. And I would expect a little bit of slowing, but the key here is Irma heads towards South Florida and across into much warmer water, not much warmer or actually not much warmer waters, but warmer waters. But then you have the Gulf Stream, which is going to add additional fuel to Irma. So it's going to, at the very least, maintain its strength and perhaps increase a little bit before making landfall. So um, the track after that is a combination of the weakened ridge to the east of Irma and a trough that's expected to reemerge uh, to the north and west of Irma to help steer it through the entire Florida Peninsula on a north-northwesterly track, and then it goes into Georgia and into, into Tennessee. At that point, is it's going to be a, uh, a weakened tropical depression by then. Well, and one of the things that's um, very interesting to those on the, the East Coast further up from Florida that yesterday were really kind of in the path of the storm, um, many yeah. have or had planned to evacuate towards Atlanta um, or even further than that into, you know, Alabama. And, and currently that looks more in the path of the storm than, than some points in South Carolina and, and northern Georgia on the East Coast. Yeah, I, I think the key here is uh, – and we saw this in Hurricane Rita a number of years ago when there's only a few major arteries, uh, in this case out of Houston, uh, the bottleneck of traffic and, and some of the traffic accidents, more people died in the evacuation of Rita than from Rita itself. Now, I'm not going to suggest that this is exactly the same scenario for those that are on the southeastern uh, U.S. coast from Georgia and South Carolina that, uh, yeah, let's head to Atlanta. But um, you know what it's like when you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic because everybody's doing the same thing and your frustration levels rise and somebody's not paying attention to their driving, they're texting or whatever, and bingo, you have an accident and it gets worse than that. So right. maybe back roads would be advisable. Uh, maybe... At this point, you don't have to evacuate, although I would argue you're going to probably see at least tropical storm force warnings, which means winds in the 34 to 63-knot range along the coastal areas of Georgia and at least part of the South Carolina coast. So that may give you pause to evacuate uh, just from tropical Mm -hmm. storm force winds itself. But pick your roads wisely. I'm heading for Atlanta. If everybody else is doing, you can... You can do the math in terms of uh, what it might be like trying to reach Atlanta. And, again, you're looking at rain and a little bit of wind, and we all know what that does to normal traffic schemes on a day-to-day basis. So um, just because you're not going to be looking at 150-knot winds in the north Florida uh, inland areas of Georgia and South Carolina doesn't mean that weather's not going to impact mobile transit uh, schemes. Right. Moving back towards Florida, since they will 
um, most likely be bearing the brunt of this storm. Lee, you already mentioned that uh, you would predict the storm surge to be a little bit higher than what some of the other forecasters are looking at. What about, uh, you know, can you talk at all to wind speed and um, inches of rainfall that you'd be expecting in South Florida and, and further into up the peninsula? Sure. Well, everybody is well aware of what happened with Harvey and, and Houston. And to the credit of the, of the Weather Service, they predicted excessive rain, rainfall amounts uh, to 30 inches, and, and it wound up being even higher than that. This is a moving storm. It's not going to stall. Even though I think it will slow down a little bit, it's not going to stall. It's going to keep moving. And that's key here in terms of how much precipital water can accumulate. Look, they're calling up to 10 inches of rain. And that's a huge amount for any locale for a single event here. So we're looking at sea level here. We're looking at the ability for the soil to absorb water. And when you have rainfall rates perhaps up to an inch an hour, you're going to have street flooding. And it's going to be reminiscent of what you saw with Harvey, except in this case, uh, because this is not going to be a prolonged event, the amount of flooding that takes place will pretty much abate. You don't have rivers that are going to be overflowing their banks. You don't have levees. You don't have dams that have to release water. So you don't have that issue. And plus, when you go up the Florida Peninsula, there is a little bit of elevation rise from sea level. So you're not going to see the kind of flooding that you have seen in low-lying areas of uh, Texas and, and, and Louisiana. But nevertheless, there's a lot of water that's going to be generated from the storm. But if you want to call it good news, the storm is moving, so it's not going to be an especially prolonged uh, event for, uh, for precipitation. But make no mistake about it, 10 inches of rain in a short period of time is still 10 inches of rain. And any thoughts about um, wind speeds at the time of, of um, landfall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here's my biggest concern. And I've always had a little bit of an angst over the categorization of hurricanes. I try to match the Fujita scale for tornadoes based on the potential for wind damage. And it can be awfully misleading. For example, oh, this is just a Category 1 storm. Uh, no big deal. Well, for a mariner, uh, the traditional warnings are gale, storm, then hurricane force. Gale winds, for example, are 34 to 47 knots, and that's sustained over a 10-minute uh, time frame. And storm warning is sustained 48 to 63 knots. So every single mariner is going to um, uh, cringe when you're talking about those kind of wind velocities. Then you get hurricane. Strength. That's 64 knots and higher. What more do you need to know if you have a hurricane warning or you have hurricane force winds? So when they talk about, talk about categories, they're really referring to potential damage, if you would, uh, on shore. And then you add storm surge in, in, into the mix, and, and then you have your catastrophe. Do not be fooled. Now Irma has weakened to a category four. Well, there's nothing weakened about Category 4 conditions. You're looking at 135 uh, knots uh, for Category 4 strength. And in my opinion, this storm will may reach its original Category 5 strength when it crosses warmer waters approaching South Florida, especially the Gulf Stream. 
And if the storm even slows down a little bit, and that means it has a little bit more time to regain, if you would, going from Category 4 to Category 5. So um, I'm not going to dispute what the National Hurricane Center is, is calling for. I'm saying there's a real possibility of further strengthening because of the warmer waters it's heading into, and especially the fuel that's going to be uh, that will energize a storm uh, by the Gulf Stream or Florida current before moving inland. There is no way to overhype this. It's been hyped to the max, and, and the hype is, in this case will be real. 150 knots sustained is well within the ballpark of what's likely going to happen. And you have to always keep in mind that gust, usually the sustained winds can be increased by 40% in terms of wind gust. So you put a 40% increase to 150 knots sustained winds and and even for a few seconds, that's all you need to maybe break uh, trees in half or uh, projectiles or missiles. That uh, it's like uh, any any two by four can split a tree in half very easily in in Irma-like winds here. So it's certainly um, a very serious situation, and we urge anyone who is still in South Florida to make plans and consider leaving, particularly those who uh, may still be on a boat. Please leave the boat um, and find some safe shelter. We're just about out of time, Lee, but one last question, and, and this may be something that you're not, you haven't even looked at yet, and that's a perfectly suitable answer to this question, but a lot of loopers are uh, getting ready to work their way down the river system and are going to be in the areas um, you know, of the, the Mississippi and the Ohio and the Tennessee rivers, which is where some of the rainfall and remnants are expected to end up. Any thoughts about how serious of a situation that will be as what's, whatever's left of Irma at that point continue to head kind of northwest? Well, I can tell you to expect this, and I forgot to mention this. As mm -hmm. Irma begins to uh, make uh, a, a serious attempt at landfall, you're going to start hearing about tornado watches and warnings. And this will maintain that type of uh, level, even if the winds start dying down to a depression stage. So uh, severe thunderstorms and tornadoes are a distinct possibility, along with uh, heavy downpours. Even though you don't have that uh, uh, strong wind, wind event like Florida is going to experience, in the Tennessee and uh, uh, the southeast states uh, where Irma is expected to move into, um, that's going to be on top of, uh, uh, of, the, of the list or on top of the list of the potential for tornadoes and severe thunderstorms, which are, you know, localized events, uh, but uh, they are what they are. Uh, they're in and out. and They'll do their damage accordingly. In addition to expect uh, rainfall totals uh, in the 5 to 8-inch range being predicted here, because Irma will eventually slow down here. And when it slows down, it means it's going to be over an area where, where rain is going to be persistent because it's carrying with it all the moisture taken in from the warm waters, tropical waters of the Atlantic, and that's not going to dissipate out so readily here. So right. you need to be so aware of that. So a word of, of caution that. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely a word of caution for the loopers who are on the river systems or headed that way. Yet another reason for all of you to take your time um, and coming down the river system. I know there's been several um, lock issues this year, so hopefully everyone is still a little further north, then they will not have to deal so much with the impacts of Irma. 
Lee Chesno, thank you so much for joining us for answering all of my questions about the um, hurricanes in general, but especially about Hurricane Irma. We appreciate your time. Um, and just another reminder to everyone listening that if you'd like to keep updated on this information from Lee, you can attend the Seven Seas U briefing that Lee will be doing tonight at 8. To sign up for that, go to ssca.org slash Seven Seas U with the seven C's all spelled out as words, no numbers there. And then look for the course catalog. That link will take you to the sign-up sheet or the, the registration form for tonight's briefing. Did you have another comment, Lee? Yeah, I just want to say um, uh, the river systems, uh, with, all, with the added rainfall, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they talk about uh, some of the smaller river tributaries overflowing their banks. But that's uh, way into the future. And another office, uh, the hydrometeorological uh, offices and each of the weather service offices will be issuing the potential for uh, for flooding due to excessive rainfall amounts and river tributaries. And also, I guess uh, if there's any questions, I'll hang around uh, to answer your questions. Okay. Uh, we haven't had any callers. We had a couple in who dropped back off, um, so may have just been there to listen for a little while. So at this time, we don't have any questions. Um, so we'll wrap up now. Um, the recording will be available later. And again, if, if um, you're listening to this as a recorded version, um, if it is not currently about 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, then you're listening to this on a recorded version. And this evening, um, September 8th at 8 p.m., as we mentioned, Lee will be updating this information in his brief on 7CSU. Um, Lee, again, thank you for joining us, and thank you to all of our listeners out there. We appreciate you joining us as well. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>